What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host, Maddie Moon. Welcome to episode 200, episode 200 of the Mind Body Musings podcast. We're here, guys. This is such a surreal moment. You know, when I started this podcast, I had no idea that this would be such a rock in my life. That's really the only way to describe it. This podcast has been like one of the only consistent things in the past four years of my life through so many different things, ups and downs, this podcast has been a, a pivotal experience for me that has changed the way I communicate with people, the way I listen to people, and even my connection with my ability to surrender. Because you never know how episodes are going to go. You never know what your guest is going to bring. You never can determine how an episode is going to flow. You just have to totally surrender to it and to be in the moment. Presence. Yeah. Another really important lesson to learn is how to be present here and now and not drifting off. Whether you're interviewing, whether you're being interviewed, or whether you're just listening to a podcast. Podcasts really call you into a state of presence and clearing your mind. And I'm really grateful for all these 200 episodes and all that has been learned and expressed and shared and asked about and uncovered and questioned. And I'm so grateful for each one of you who come to this show, especially, not especially, because that makes it sound like there's favorites and there's not favorites. But I will say, I definitely want to say a thank you to everyone who has been here since episode one or not even been here listening for the past four years, but who have been showing up week after week listening to the show. Maybe it's been four years. Maybe it's been two years. Maybe this is your very first episode to listen to the podcast. Either way, I want to say thank you. I want to say I'm honored to be a part of your life. 
I'm honored. Like it's, it's a huge privilege for me. I want to make sure I, I state that and I share that with you. Being able to do what I do is a privilege. It's an honor. It's a blessing. And while a lot of you guys think, oh my goodness, I'm speaking to Maddie Moon whenever you get on a Skype call with me or if we have a retreat call or, or emailing back and forth, I feel the same way. You know, I, I feel the same way that I get the opportunity to make some sort of impact in your life, big or small. And for that, I am very grateful. Today's episode is a deep one, and I have a feeling it is going to be a topic we are going to cover quite a lot in the next year, um, maybe even beyond that. I mean, I'm sure it's going to come up a lot, but I want to start out this conversation, this topic, and this theme today uh, I had a whole bunch of different ideas of what to do for episode 200 and I thought of thinking about like the most important lessons I've learned over the four years or my story again <laughs> but even when I thought about all those different themes of how to really make episode 200 special none of them were pulling me to grab my mic and put on my headphones and start recording quite like this one currently is and it doesn't need episode 200 doesn't need to be this big thing in regards to celebrating how far we've gotten every episode to me is a celebration every single one so even though this is episode 200 I think it's even more important that we are here at episode 200 and diving deep into this topic this out of all the different topics this one is the one I think deserves to be celebrated slash uncovered and unpacked and given attention to. This is the thing in so many of our lives that should be celebrated. And that's our sexuality. And in order to be able to celebrate and unpack and share and release and surrender and even love our sexuality, to get to that point, we've got to unpack it. We've got to look at it. We've got to talk about it. We've got to talk about sexual shame, y'all. And I think this is a, such a taboo topic. And there are certain women out there killing it in the Instagram world and killing it in the online business world. And they are writing blog posts and doing podcasts and writing ebooks and programs to help you uncover the sexual shame. But they are few and far in between, I feel. I feel that we're not quite speaking about this topic enough. And I'm part of that. Y'all, I'm definitely part of this. Here I am, episode 200. And I'm just now feeling like I'm wanting to go here solo, not have a guest on to talk about it, but go here solo. So with that said, there's a lot that I'm going to talk about today. And I'm going to share about my own story a lot. So since we are talking about sexual shame, as you could tell from the title, this may be one of those episodes that you listen to with some earbuds in if you have some little ears around, or maybe not, I don't know. Um, this could be a very educational show. But I just wanted to share that, just in case, give you a disclaimer. So today, I am feeling called to share a lot about the 
origination of sexual shame for so many of us. Man, I have so many notes for this podcast. I'm just going to say that right now. Uh, I have so many things that I want to share, but what I'm going to start out with is a bit of insight to my background and my story and my connection with sexual shame. Because if you have been reading my Instagram lately, you've seen that I've had a lot of write-ups around sexual shame. If you're actually sitting down and reading the comments, not just looking at the photos, you will see that I've been leaking out a lot of sexuality shame that I have experienced in my life. And I've been connecting some dots. And I've been doing a lot of work on this. This is not a new thing. I've been doing some healing energy work around this for years now. But I think I'm just at this new place where it's being talked about so much in my one-on-one sessions that I do, I don't understand. I mean, I don't even get why I'm not talking about this all the time because I'm talking about it so much in these client sessions. But I don't know why I'm not talking about it on my podcast. And maybe because it is so big and I want to be so delicate with this topic and I want to make sure everyone's included. So yes, I want to share my story. But I also want to have another disclaimer saying I know everyone has different perspectives on their sexual shame. You have, If you have sexual shame, there's probably like thousands of different reasons it could be for. And it does not mean that it's going to be the same as mine. You could have the complete opposite type of sexual shame. Whereas my history was all about repression, denial, shoving it away, feeling ashamed of having a female body. Other people, they could have had their body exploited could have been totally taken advantage of. You could be in all of these abusive relationships right now with people that are taking advantage of your sexuality or you have the tendency to exploit yourself because that's the realm you're comfortable in. And I don't know, you know, there's so many different ways to look at this. And that's why I'm saying I want us to dive in deeper into this topic over um, the course of the next hundred episodes, of course, not every single one, but I want to sprinkle it in a lot. And if you're wanting more and you're wanting weekly insight and weekly inspiration and weekly reminders around this, definitely follow me on Instagram. It's Madeline Moon, because that's where a lot of this topic um, is shared in a way that feels very personal. And um, and I, I, I think the comment section is really truly amazing because so many women are just sharing their stories on there and I find it to be really healing and we need that more than almost anything as community especially around sexual shame if we all want the buck to stop here and we want our kids to be raised with a body positive outlook a positive body image they also need to have a healthy relationship with their sexuality with their body not just the body fat the body parts We want everyone to come to a place of acceptance of the body they've been given and who they are and come to love it, not to repress it, not to exploit it, but to realize it is sacred. And there are some messages and some things that need to stop because, all right, let's go into my, let's go into my story before I get all all riled up about this. Let's go into some, some background here. So I was raised very religiously and there's nothing wrong with religion. 
I myself do not identify with being religious whatsoever, but anyone who listens to this podcast, I want you to know you are welcome. If you are religious, there will never be any knocking of religion on this show because I know that there's many different ways to do religion. I know there's many different religions and I would never want anyone to feel they aren't welcome for their beliefs on this podcast coming here to listen, but I'm going to share a little bit about my um, history with religion and how sexuality was so repressed and how I was raised. And I feel very comfortable sharing this because I actually have quite a few clients who come from religious backgrounds and or strict backgrounds, um, conservative backgrounds with very masculine personalities of their their father and their mother and they weren't raised to to embrace their femininity and it was looked down as weakness and that's a lot of stuff that I want us to look at in this episode in particular. So the first thing I want to share with you is one of the root lessons I was told as a kid and there is a scripture in the Bible that says do not cause a man to stumble and I believe that this scripture can be interpreted in quite quite a few many ways. And I had someone ask me, um, how do you interpret the scripture now? And I, I will try to remember to get back to that. But at the time when I was younger, do not cause a man to stumble was only used in the context of sexuality of, of a woman causing a man to stumble with her body. And I had a poster a contract actually on my wall growing up I had several contracts I had a contract in my wallet I had a contract on my closet door I had one like right when you walk into my room right by my bed I mean I had laminated contracts for the rules of my life there was an acronym for modesty hung up in my closet, what modesty means. And it's, I don't remember what it was, but it was all about covering up and wearing a certain length of t-shirt, certain length of shorts. And I don't know what why was. It was just an acronym. So every time I opened my closet, there was just modesty hanging there. And then in my wallet, I had a laminated um, card that I don't remember exactly what it said, but I, I remember it was basically a miniature version of the rules that were hanging in my closet and the rules that were hanging by my bed. The one by my bed I remember was around, um, don't be this way with boys. Don't be in cars with boys. Don't stay out late. Don't do this. Don't do this. And at the bottom, my parents had me sign it with my signature. And this happened throughout my life. There were many contracts I had had throughout my life and I was forced to sign all of them and to carry them with me. And this scripture, do not cause a man to stumble, was with me wherever I went. If I went to church, this was something that I heard all the time and I was told this by my parents, do not cause a man to stumble. So what this scripture did for me, did to me in a sense here, and this is my story, remember this is, it doesn't have to be your story, but the lessons that I internalized from the scripture is that I am responsible for the actions and thoughts of another. I am to control another person's thoughts about me. I am responsible. I can either promote or discourage it. If I promote it, essentially I am a slut. If I promote it, I'm asking for it. I'm asking to be taken advantage of. If I discourage it, I'm good. That's good, that's pure, that's loving, that's what God wants. Those are the messages I 
adopted from this. And I know I'm not alone because I've had clients bring this up to me in conversation. I've had friends bring this up to me in lunch dates. This is a very common theme. And in in light of the Me Too movement, I think this is a reason why so many people resisted speaking up about any kind of sexual um, misconduct they have experienced up until now, maybe now we're coming out and speaking about it, but I think a lot of people held back from speaking on it because of feeling like they were asking for it. They shouldn't have worn those skirts to work if they didn't want their boss to hit on them. Well, they shouldn't have smiled at that coworker too much. Well, you shouldn't have dressed that particular way at that party. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't. There, there's a, there's a, Obviously, there is a clear line between literally asking for it and wanting it. And then there's the you being yourself, you being feminine, you embracing your sensuality and being taken advantage of. And so many women are denying that they were merely being themselves because we've been told throughout our lives so often that we're causing men to stumble if you were coming from a religious household or even not even not not looking in a sexual context, maybe you've had arguments or you've spoken your truth and you've had people come back at you saying, you're too sensitive, you're too this, you're too that, you're too this. Don't you think you're being dramatic, huh? And then gaslighting. So you speak your truth, someone else hears your truth, doesn't like it, then turns it back around on you and makes you feel silly for it. That's basically what gaslighting is. Putting it back on you. And then that makes you shut up. That makes you look at yourself and say, oh, Maybe I was asking for it. Oh, maybe I am being too sensitive. Oh, maybe I am being dramatic. Oh, I should let this go. Blah, blah, blah. And you let go of your truth. And over time, you do this again and again and again and again. And you forget you have a truth. And every time you speak your truth, you think you are at least, you second guess it. You backpedal. You say it and then you take it back because you fear that, it, that it's not justified or validated. And we do this with our sexuality. We do this with being taken advantage of in our sexuality. We don't end up sharing the things that happened to us because we fear that we were being too dramatic about it or it didn't really happen. That's possible as well. So being raised in this way where I was told these messages of um, you're responsible if a man looks at you this way, here's your contract, sign them, control, control, control. Um, there's more though. I, I, I went through the program of true love weights where my mom basically sat me down every single Sunday for weeks and told me the importance of saving myself for marriage. Again, nothing is wrong with this, but in the context, it was around, the, the language is what matters here. True love waits. There is something here that doesn't quite sit right with me anymore because w- what that's promoting is that sex is only to be enjoyed and pleasure-filled if it is underneath the umbrella of marriage. And, 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 wait, wait, wait. It's okay if that's for you. It's absolutely fine if that's for you. That's great. But I know a lot of people who have rushed, rushed, rushed into marriage in order to finally have sex. And they didn't really love the person 
Okay. They just wanted sex. They did not really love the person. And, and I have been in experiences. I have been in relationships. In fact, my first relationship was, was with a man, um, who was so insecure about his body, so insecure about his body that he projected all of his insecurities onto me and made me feel like crap for my body. Constantly called my body too big or would or would um, say that I was taking too long to undress or saying that, um, I mean, the list goes on and on. There was just a lot of stuff he would say, well, you took too long, so I'm not really feeling it anymore. He would basically say whatever he could to not be intimate with me. And it made me feel like something was wrong with me. And I already had issues with my sexuality at that time because that was my first long relationship. But it was honestly him who had so many issues. But at the time, I didn't have those tools to see that that was projection in the works. But I wanted to rush into marriage because I wanted to finally be able to have sex with this person and to free my mind and to enjoy it. But it would have been a terrible marriage if I had gone through with that because we had so much growing up to do, so much growing up. And then I would have rushed. So I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with having waiting for sex in the context of marriage. I absolutely respect that. I totally respect that. And if it's, if it's love, if it's actual love and you wait until marriage because you are saving yourself for this person and it's sacred though. There's a difference between doing it out of fear and rushing and thinking God will no longer love you if you do have sex and thinking you need to just hurry up and get married and settle down even though you're 21 years old. And the difference between that and you're truly in love with someone and you're ready to get married and you're 21 and you desire to be married and this is the right person and you feel very confident in that and you know that the divine is guiding you to that decision. I think that's beautiful. I want to make that clear, okay? I respect, for, I respect your choices. What I don't promote or wish on anyone is to rush into the wrong marriage to have sex because you fear... That if you are intimate with anyone outside of the context of marriage, God doesn't love you. And that the deeper issue there is that you have shame around your sexuality because you've been taught that only true love waits until this agreement has been made, this contract has been made. Okay. So in this true love waits program that I went through, I got a ring that I wore on my ring finger that was symbolic to be me being married to God and saving myself um that did not happen but I did wear that ring for quite a long period of time even after I had quote lost my virginity I um kept that ring on because I just loved the ring and eventually uh, there was a time where I was like you know what I think this is actually um probably keeping me from getting dates because people probably think I'm married right? Because I was wearing this wedding ring everywhere I went and I was a young adult woman. And uh, finally I was like, this might be like kind of not smart to do if I want to get picked up by a guy. Um, going even in, even further back into my, my history, whenever I was 13, I had been kissed. I was my, my very first kiss and it was just a light peck. It was just a sweet kiss from a guy at the movie theater. And I remember my mom picking me up from the movie theater after that and I don't know what your first kiss experience was like if you even remember it but for me I remember I was so giddy I just had my first kiss I didn't even know what 
another person's lips felt like. And this kid that I kissed had like the softest pillowy lips. And I remember my mom picking me up and me sheepishly smiling. Even at that point at 13 years old, I thought I did something wrong. I thought I did something bad. My mom asked me why I was smiling and I wanted to tell her. So I said, a a boy kissed me. Elliot kissed me. And my mom, oh, she screamed at me. She was so mad. She screamed at me. She was angry. She pulled me into, she took me home and pulled me into the garage and yelled at me and yelled and yelled and yelled. And I'm crying, 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 crying. And then she told me that I wasn't reading the Christian books I needed to be reading, that there was this book that was sitting on my bed I needed to read because it's about sexuality and I I cannot cannot be having be kissing boys right now and I need to read this book and if I don't read this book then I'm going to be grounded and so then I had a stack of like five Christian based dating books that I had to read and that's my entire upbringing I was constantly reading Christian dating books um that reaffirmed the same message that as a woman you cannot lose your purity that that is everything. And I want to make this clear as well. It is purity. I mean, it's beautiful. Our sexuality is sacred. That's the word I like to use. It's sacred. So I think, here's what I think was really going, is is really going wrong here in religion, is that there's too much emphasis on the loss and, and too much fear around, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it. You need to keep your virginity, keep it, keep it, keep it. Don't show it, don't let a man stumble. Women, 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 be in control, blah, blah, blah. There's not enough talk around what does authentic relating and authentic connection, vulnerability, and sacred sexuality feel like. We're looking so much at what it's supposed to, or I'm going to say religion is looking so much at what it's supposed to look like. I remember one pastor at church was talking about the fireplace, something like that. It's like you want to keep the fire inside of the fireplace and it can't be outside of the fireplace and it must always stay inside the fireplace. So we're looking too much at what sex is supposed to look like. So it's the boxes we need to have checked off. Marriage, man and woman, the certain age check 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 and it's leaving us totally oblivious to the feeling no one's talking about that no one's talking about the intimacy the eye-to-eye contact you have with this person you love when you're making love no one even talks about making love we talk about virginity we talk about sex and marriage we talk about getting married but we don't talk about what it feels like to have an authentic, loving connection with someone, which is why so many people end up getting married very quickly so that they can finally have sex, so they can have permission. Everyone's waiting for permission to get it over with so you can finally have the wedding night. But then once the wedding night comes, does the sexual shame disappear? No, it's still there for so many people. And then you have to dive into what does what does sex look like when there is no shame? And how do you get to that place? When you're raised with having an acronym of modesty hung up and you're wearing the pure love, true love weights ring and your first kiss you were punished and stack of books and every single books, book is saying that you must wait for marriage to have sex and that your most important gift is your virginity. What happens when you don't have that gift anymore? It's that old 
old, old, stale way of thinking. There are so many stories from um, our ancestors from the Bible of when a woman loses her virginity, she's no longer wanted. She's unclean. She's no longer desired. Do y'all remember watching Downton Abbey? Did anyone watch Downton Abbey? Um, it's been a while since I watched it, but the main girl, whoever she is, has sex. And then it was like the biggest, biggest, most shameful thing ever. And she had to keep it quiet because she was going to be a disgrace to the family. And that is in our DNA still. I want to make this very understood and clear as well. Those stories, all of the women from our past who have been essentially slut-shamed and pushed aside and disowned and abandoned and abused, all of those women, their, their energy is in our bodies. They are passed down to us. We have that in our bodies. And that is why there's such a huge pain body right now with women waking up to their own sexual shame. Why can I not be present during sex with this person I love? Why am I dissociating? Why do I feel guilty when he touches me? Why do I feel guilty after sex? Why do my orgasms feel so shallow? Why do I constantly feel like I can't smile and make eye contact with a man? Why do I look away? Why can't I feel creative? Why don't I know what I want to do with my life? This is all connected. When you close up your sexuality and your ability to express your sensuality, you close up your creativity. Sex is the most powerful form of creation. Most powerful by far. It's the way to feel connected to the divine. It's the way that you create one thing out of two people. It's the way that you share energy. You become one. If people understood this, you would really understand the power of sex. It's way, way more impactful than most of us understand because we weren't told. We were not told. We were only told the rules. We weren't told about the creation, the magic, the energy exchange, the sacredness of it all. And yes, I do believe that in Christianity, sex is sacred. And that's why it wants to be protected within marriage because it is so sacred and it's between two people who love each other. That, if you just pull back for a second and look at that, that's awesome. I believe that. I believe sex is sacred. I believe that the divine wants us to have sex with someone that we want to feel truly connected with. I think that it's a beautiful, it is the ultimate way, excuse me, it's the ultimate way to create something with a person that you love and to bond. And there's all of the chemicals that are fired off and the connection that's created from this. And that's why it's so important. But we're not taught that alongside the importance of having sex in a marriage. We're only told about the rules. Many people, I mean, I'm sure many churches do it differently or many congregations take more time to focus on what sacred sexuality is, I just don't have that experience. And so if you have that experience, I'm so grateful for it. And I want you to continue to share that message. But for anyone who was raised without ever learning about sh being able to have a healthy relationship with your sexuality, it is never too late. In fact, it is absolutely time to start looking at that. 
Absolutely time. Another thing about my past is I was raised not to trust men. So if you listen to the episode I had recently with Josh Trent, you know that this is so important that it becomes a we too. We are on the same side. If you haven't listened to that, it is a freaking phenomenal episode. Please listen to that episode with Josh Trent. It'll blow your mind. I listened to it again and again um, because I loved it so much. But if you have any wounds about not being able to trust boys or men, it's important that you come to realize this too. Especially if you feel like you were raised with the do not cause a man to stumble. Scripture always in your head. It's important to understand that you are not responsible for the thoughts or the opinions or the actions of others. They are responsible for their own lives. If you think otherwise, that is a form of codependency. And that is a way, that's one of the quickest ways for you to completely shut off your femininity because your sensuality is really closely linked to your femininity. It's like one in the same, okay? It is one in the same. Your sensuality is your ability to flow with life, to be flirtatious with life, to be loving and nurturing. Nurturing, that's a mother, right? That's a term for a mother. That's why we all have our own inner mother in us because we are able to nurture like Mother Earth does. But how do you become a mother? You're sexual. You create a baby. How do you create a baby? By sex. So for you to really tap into your nurturing self, you also have to have a healthy relationship and appreciation with your sexuality, with your body parts, with your ability, your ability to open. If you want to open up to life and open up to people and have authentic connection, real connection, you have to be able to open up yourself. You have to know that your ability to open is beautiful. It's one of the most powerful things in this entire world is a woman's ability to open. It's what changes the world. It's what makes our world more loving. A woman's love, a woman's wisdom, a woman's ability to get in touch with her intuition, her desires. That's what brings more love. While the masculine is very logical and structured and focused and driven, The feminine is very nurturing and soft and open and receptive. See how those words, open, receptive, very directly related to sex for a woman? That's why they are so entirely linked. If you want to go out into the world and spread more love and be more connected with Mother Earth and nature and our environment, and if you want to have social justice and peace and change, if you want to have all that, you've got to be in relationship with yourself with your body, with your intuition, with your ability to open. So what I was going to say is that we want to be on the same team here, men and women. My entire life, I was was raised to hear a few phrases. One of them is, boys only want one thing. Boys only want one thing. My dad used to always say, how do you know when a boy is lying? When he opens his mouth. Um, I would hear, they'll always say that to get in your pants. Um, never trust that they're going to do that. Like, um, oh boy, like never trust that they actually love you because they're just saying that because they want to have sex with you. 
because they only want one thing, because he's opening his mouth, because he's lying. My dad used to always say, how do you, um, oh, sorry, I was going to say that again. My dad used to always say, why buy the cow if you could get the milk for free? I shared that on a recent Instagram post, and I had a commenter share something that I thought was really um, eye-opening and might be of some service to you listening forever underscore seeking said when I met the man I knew I was going to marry we decided to move in together he was and still is one of the kindest souls I've ever known and has always treated me with respect one night after having dinner with my parents I walked out to my car and my dad turns and says to me he'll never marry you you know shocked I asked him why and he and he said that why pay for the cow when you can have the milk for free All I remember is silently getting into my car and driving away, not saying a word. I had heard of people saying things like this, but I never thought I would hear my dad say it to me, his only daughter. Fast forward a year, and he did end up marrying me. Not to make me an honest woman, but because we both have mutual love and respect for one another, and knew that from our first date, I never confronted my dad about what he said, but it always stuck with me. I resonate so much with your story because when I read it, it reminds me exactly of mine. Thank you for sharing. Love and light to you, friend. XOX. So in this woman's story, she was having, she was being intimate with her lover before they were married. And her father said the only thing he knows that you're not, he's not going to buy the cow if he can have the milk for free, have the sex for free. So this kind of language, this kind of verbiage teaches us women that we are wanted only for our sex why spend an entire life with you when you're only worth your sex the men only want you for your sex not your heart oh god it makes me want to puke when i think about that and how false it is and i don't know about y'all but if you've had this kind of upbringing where you've been told this it might have when you might hear this and might be like well yeah but have you ever thought about what this is saying and what this is doing to your psychology this is telling you on a subconscious level you are not worth settling down for as long as someone has your body parts you're useless that's what that phrase is saying and also it is diminishing the power of a masculine faithful loving man Blaming all men for the inconsideration of some is doing a huge disservice, not only to men, obviously, but also to women and their ability to trust men. If we want to start healing these wounds, we have to know that there are good people out there. There are good men out there. You are good. You are worthy of settling down for. Sex is not something that is just there for your partner. I've had relationships in my past too where I didn't, physically I would have sex with, with, with someone, but I wasn't emotionally there because I, I was so used to thinking I was only wanted for my sex, for my ability to have sex, that I just tuned out during the sex. I disassociated because I was just used to thinking, well, on one hand, he's, he's going to leave me after this because he only wants me for this. And then my personality would shut off because I would think, why bother? Why bother being vibrant in myself if he's getting what he wanted from me? So I'm having sex and I'm not even enjoying it because it's for him in my mind. I have no right to speak up about what I want because I have so much sexual shame about what I'm doing. And I also have worthiness wounds there. Whenever I would have sex with someone, my worthiness would come up and I would fear that this person would no longer want me and that's when I would get clingy or avoidant. 
because they got sex and so now they're not going to want me anymore because all I'm useful for is sex. That's the subconscious belief that is that was ruling me and is ruling so many women out there who have sexual shame and are looking at it. And guess how they're dealing with it? So many people are dealing with it through their body, image, disordered eating. If women, if little girls are not raised to have a healthy understanding and appreciation for their body, understanding that it is sacred and sex is sacred and it should be honored and it should be treated with respect and you should understand that it's the energy of two people coming together, combining. So knowing that and knowing how powerful sex can be, that's why you want to make sure you are particular about your partners. If girls are learning this at a young age, they're not going to feel like they need to starve themselves in order to feel in control. They're not going to feel like they need to binge eat to cover up their body with body fat to avoid being, ha being seen and having sexual advances. If you don't know how to take ownership of your body and if you don't know how to treat sexual advances from people that are unwanted, you're going to have to act out in some way. And so here's, here's the problem. If women do not know how to use their voice and speak their truth, truth and say yes when they want yes and say no when they want to say no, they're going to use other tactics. And what these tactics are, whew, starting to like get a little riled up and calm down. Okay, popping my neck. <clears throat> whew, what these tactics are, usually they are some form of manipulation. And I don't mean manipulation as in malicious, trying to get what you want from people. I mean manipulation with yourself. So, Disordered eating is strongly related to a unhealthy relationship with your sexuality. If you're raised to think that who you are is deeply flawed, that your femininity, your softness, your body, it's shameful, you're going to want to cover it up. What I dream of is a world where girls are taught that their body is sacred and they also learn what sacred sex looks like, and they also learn how to speak yes and how to speak no. So many people have not been taught the difference between love and lust. They have not been taught the difference between yes and no. So, so many people don't even know what it feels like to be a full-on yes with sex. So many people think, well, he likes me, I like him, he really wants sex, so I should give it to him because he may leave me if I don't, he'll find it elsewhere. You have sex with them, but then the old stories of the only wanted sex come up into your head, so then you start thinking afterwards, well, now he's going to leave me because he got sex, so it's a double standard and you cannot win either way. So you give them the sex you weren't fully present. You weren't really enjoying it because you were focused so much on what's he thinking? Does he like it? You aren't even thinking if you like it. And so then afterwards, you become either avoidant. You just think, okay, well, why bother? I'm going to just be broken up with anyway. So you walk away and you never try again with that person. Or you become clingy because now you think, oh, well, he got what he wanted. I had to make sure he understands how cool and awesome I am and blah, blah, blah. But what happens in that situation is it never was a yes because you were only doing it to please the other person and you weren't doing it at all because you wanted it as well. But you didn't know that because you weren't taught how to decipher between the two. 
And when you have so much shame, it clouds everything. It clouds whether or not you truly want it. It, you, it clouds the, the, the intimacy and the sexual experience. You don't make eye contact. You look away. You're fearful. You're self-conscious. You're not in the moment. You're not able to free your wild feminine soul. You're not present. And he's probably not present. And so what we need more of is an understanding of what our yeses feel like in our bodies and what our noes feel like. And knowing that it's okay to say no to someone. And knowing how to speak your truth. And when I say speak your truth, I mean speak up and say, no, I don't want to have sex right now. I want to have a movie night. No, I, I want to wait. No, this isn't the right time. Or say, yes, my body is open. I am saying yes to you. I want to connect with you. I want it to be deep. And so how do we do this? One, we create community with women. We unpack this stuff. We have conversations like this about what we want to see happen in our world with sexuality, within our bodies with sexuality, with our friends. We had a conversation around this with Dr. Anita Johnston. Um, that was two episodes ago. And she mentioned this as one of the best ways to create sexual healing is through women's circles, moon circles, having these conversations, asking other women who are sexually healed how they did it. Get their insight, get their perspective. Two, learn to speak no. If you feel like you are not in control with your no's and your yeses, then you, you will continue to use tactics to feel in control, such as putting on weight to hide your body from sexual advances because you think that will protect you, or starving yourself and going back to your childlike body and not looking so feminine anymore, not having breasts, not having soft thighs. So many women go back to that period of looking like a child by starving themselves. They don't realize they're doing it, but that's what they're doing so that they don't, again, have sexual advances because they have no idea what it feels like to set boundaries. So they use manipulation. They manipulate their bodies. They put on weight so people don't pay attention. Same thing with dressing. You wear really big baggy clothes if you don't want attention or you starve yourself and you don't need anything at all to have a childlike body, again, not having attention. You might get a different kind of attention now, but it's not going to be sexual attention. And the, one of the biggest reasons why people do this is because they have no idea how to use their voice. Or they've had their voice dismissed by their fathers, their mothers, family, the congregation, whatever it is. They have spoken their truth. They spoke their truth as little ch children, but then they were told they were being too sensitive, too emotional, to this or that, and they eventually lost their voices and the awesome thing about this is that you can get it back now. You do not have to take a course or read a book or hire a coach in order to have your voice back. You have it already. You just have to start using it with the person you're dating, speaking up what you want from him. What, what do you want more of in your sex life? It might be hard to speak it up. It might be hard to stand by it whenever he says, you sure? or that's weird, blah, blah, blah. But I want you to stand by it nonetheless. Or the next time someone makes a physical advance on you, I want you to say no. Use your voice. If you need support in this, uh, email, DM me, like on Instagram, DM me. Comment on one of my pictures. I want to hear how you're getting stuck with using your voice because this is very important, y'all. This is very important. 
And if you can start to use your voice more and speaking your truth more, saying yes to people you're deeply open to, you can say no to people you're deeply not open to. But you have to learn how to say no before you can really learn how to say yes. So many of us have been walking around saying yes, but we're not really saying yes. We're saying yes to dissociating. We're saying yes to shame. We're saying yes to being distracted during sex, thinking about our belly fat or thinking about if God still loves us if we're having sex outside of marriage. We're not present. We're not there. And the sexual experience lost all potential. Whereas you can know and understand that God loves you. God created sex. God wants sex to be a sacred, beautiful experience between two people who are ready to infuse their energy God desires you to see your body the way he sees your body. God is made up of the feminine and the masculine. When you look down, you see your beautiful boobs and you see your beautiful thighs. God, that's part of God too. The divine is feminine. The divine is soft and curvy. The divine is all of those good things. The divine is goddess. And females, women, our sexuality is so freaking powerful what's possible in it. And when we, as women, collectively start to adopt and love and cherish and own up to our sexuality and begin to flirt with the world, the world will change. When we start to have a more flirtatious approach with life, where we walk outside in nature and we're smiling and we're in love We're in love. We're in love with life. We're in love with nature. We're in love with the human beings we work alongside. We're in love with ourselves. The world will change. And that's why the body image industry and the fitness industry and the food industry and the media and all of that, all the different industries that have the patriarchy, the the way that the world has tried to repress sexuality is a way to keep it under control because the patriarchy knows how powerful a woman's sexuality is. And that's why they tainted it and they shamed it and they repressed it and they made a woman look like she was unclean if she doesn't have her virginity anymore. And it is time this ends. It is time we stop it. And we stop it within ourselves first. It's easy to want to go out and change the world, but you first must heal yourself. Look at your sex life. Look at how you connect with the person that you have sex with or how you connect with your own body. How do you feel about your own body? Are you using coping mechanisms to stuff down the feelings you have around your desires? So many women have desires for men, have desires for themselves, but they, they're so fearful of it because it seems bad or shameful that they stuff it down with food instead they use other tactics anything to distract themselves from feeling their sexual desires and those are the stories we tell ourselves because of the media and because of society and it's time we end this and let's let's end it through sisterhood okay let's end it by coming together and speaking our truths and creating bonds and um, healing our sexual shame together i don't want this to be an individual journey only it's going to happen individually, but we, I think that we create the individual changes through community. Go to a full moon women's gathering. Go to any woman's gathering in your area. Or come on over to the Mind Body Musings podcast Facebook group. <laughs> Let's start a conversation there. Let's talk about sexual shame, okay? 
Let's begin to heal these wounds. Let's heal these wounds from our ancestors, from the women that lived in the you know, 1700s, from before then, from the women that were abused, from the cavemen women who were only used for one thing. So today, when we hear our parents or our grandparents say, boys only want one thing, men only want one thing, that's coming from centuries, 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 thousands of years. That's not like they made it up. That's been here forever. I mean, we are now changing this. That's how powerful this is. That's how new this is. Women used to be traded for things and and women were married off and they didn't have a say we have a say we have a say in how we look at our sexuality and we have a say in the men we choose and there are good men out there men that are not lying men that want a lot of things men they're the same we are all the same they desire love they desire to be seen they desire to be vulnerable and connect and every man who's ever been a player or a mama's boy, they have unhealed wounds. They probably have very, very, very strong bonds with their mother, and they need healing. And look, I want to make it very clear that my family, me sharing these things with you, I have no blame on my parents. No blame. They did what they thought that they were supposed to do. I have no blame because I have radical responsibility. Blame comes from a place of I'm a victim and I can't change my circumstances. I can totally change this. I am changing this and I have been changing this. My sexuality is going to be a long process of healing and uncovering and diving deeper. And guess what? That's a fun homework assignment. (laughs) I'm all about it. That doesn't mean that I'm going out and I'm just being with anyone and everyone. It's because sex is sacred that I am even more particular and choosy than I've ever been in my life. I'm having less sex but the, the sex is more meaningful and it's present and it's, it's indulgent and it's beautiful and it's healing. Quality over quantity. When I had sexual shame, I was probably having more sex and it was only adding to the sexual shame. Now I'm having less sex and I'm having radical responsibility in my life to, to create sexual connections only with people who I, who I love and who I want to connect with and who I want to fuse energy with. And that is powerful. So there is no blame on anyone in my life who have taught me these lessons. The church, religion, my parents, no blame. I have radical responsibility. That's my past. I can't change, but I am not a victim. And you are not a victim of your sexual shame because you can have radical responsibility. You're not at the mercy of other people. You're not at the mercy of other people wanting sex. You get to decide. You have power. You have control. And you have power to say yes. You have power to say no. You have power to enjoy it and to let go of that sexual shame. So let's start with community, okay? Let's have some more conversations around this. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it was a big one, big topic. And I appreciate you sticking out and listening to this. I would love to hear your thoughts. You can comment on the show notes for this episode, episode 200. You can go over to the Instagram post for this as well and share your comments underneath the photo for the episode 200. And you can email me, hello at maddiemoon.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Let me know what questions you have around sexual shame so that I can go ahead and start thinking about future episodes. And till next time.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.